Hello there. You are tuned to Ice Topica here on Resonance 104.4 FM. This is me, Simon Tishko, and today I'm going to be very brief in my intro because we all know the state of the world, upside down, politics, mad, right-wing takeover, get out on the streets and fight, etc. But um, I'm going to be brief because I made quite a long recording early last week with Orlando Harrison, uh, sometimes Resonance FM broadcaster on the really wrong show and keyboard player from Alabama 5 amongst his many other talents. But at the moment, Orlando is being artist in residence at Senate House Library at UCL on Mallet Street. Um, and at the moment, they have a really interesting exhibition of books, pamphlets, uh, posters and all sorts of bits and pieces called Radical Voices. And if ever there were a time that radical voices are needed now. And I think one of the disturbing things we noticed about the exhibition is how much in the past it all feels. The voice of dissent, where has it really gone? We will answer absolutely none of those questions in our talking today, but we will kind of meander around Orlando's little glass office filled with bits and pieces where he is operating as artist-in-residence, which is just outside the UCL library. If you're interested to go and see what's going on there, then Mallet Street, uh, Senate House, fourth floor, go up to the library and you can go and see the exhibition and Orlando will be in residence poking around there. Um, We got some rather interesting backstage access to some tiny little book elevators and we were able to sneak our way to hidden floors where there's seemingly endless corridors something like out of the library in name of the rose actually full of the books that are too precious to actually be on the regular shelves and have to be ordered from up there and lots of political pamphlets and books and the icelandic constitution is actually housed up there we tried to make a reading from that but we actually stumbled over the language something i don't believe you can blame us for anyway as usual it's a detour it's not a journalistic exercise we are artists therefore today i invite you to pin back your very discerning resonance discerning resonance fm listening ears to a detour around senate house with orlando harrison exploring radical voices the rather groovy and essential library exhibition that's going on there right at the moment orlando what are we doing here hello simon Uh, well, um, we are in a little glass box off the main reception area on the fourth floor of Senate House Library, which is the main <coughs> uh, library, for, as I understand it, for the University of London Colleges, and it's the Central Arts and Social Sciences Library for, um, for London. And it's a beautiful old Art Deco building, um, designed by Charles Holden. I believe, um, and I've been here for a month, and I am supposed to be making some kind of sound art thing uh, around uh, this exhibition uh, called Radical Voices, which is a collection of books and speeches and ephemera and posters and stuff from the large collection of radical, progressive, left-wing type literature they've got in this in this library. So that's what I'm doing here, I think. That sounds wonderful. It's almost... I mean, we're, we're talking on the day of Donald Trump's inauguration. Yes. So the idea of... it, I, I could... My feeling is that 
the literature to which you refer is just about to be burnt and buried with Brexit and Donald Trump. I know that's not going to happen, but that's the feeling I have. Right. Do you think that's informing what you're doing here at all? Well, I'm just I'm incredibly conscious about all that kind of stuff. Um, and it feels like a big responsibility to take the subject on, you know, it's, I mean, it's so massive. Um, um, one of the things that's occurred to me, like all the stuff in the exhibition, this is not to criticise it, it's great, but also there's nothing really in the past the 80s really, and this feeling of all this progressive stuff as being something that's in the past. Yeah. You know, something that is now preserved in aspect, as it were. Sure. Uh, feels a bit strange. It's like, okay, well, yeah, remember, remember, remember radicalism. Remember, exactly. No, it's, it's, you know. it's the feeling now. I went to the V&A, there's the exhibition there, the 1960s, 1966 to 1970, and it brought tears to my eyes. And I remembered, because I was alive in that time, and sort of very aware, and the sense of possibility that seemed to permeate the world, certainly from my point of view, certainly from a Western white male privileged child point of view. It seemed yeah. like a world of possibilities right. and experimentation and radicalism. It was the, the very birth of radicalism, demographically, financially, in so many ways. Yeah. And that's, it's buried now, isn't it? Yeah. And then looking back to my own white, overprivileged, privileged middle class youth in the 80s and 90s, yep. you know, things, things seemed you know, although in some ways they were dark, they seemed very vivid and clear in some ways because things were very polarised. You know, mm. there was Thatcher and then there was the rest of us. You know, yes. <clears throat> you know, there was, and there were the Hooray Henrys and there was the Dull Scum and then everybody else in the middle didn't really matter. And yeah. and, and and being part of a radical protest was just what you what you did, especially if you were creative, mm. as I understood it. You know, mm. he lived in squats and he and he fomented dissenting whatever could against against the, the ruling powers, you know. And now that whole um, way of seeing the world is, is being fragmented and, and, and uh, <clears throat> completely confused. Yes. I'm talking to this. But yes, talking of the past, one of the things I was just looking to, I've been looking through all these um, political speeches, because I think I'm going to be using a lot of political speeches in the piece I do, <clears throat> just because they've got funny because it's interesting material in terms of the cadences and the human voice, which is one of the things I like to work with. And I found this amazing video of Churchill. These are outtakes from a, from a, a, video, a television broadcast by, a films broadcast by Churchill. Um, Churchill outtakes, how wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Probably uh, what Boris Johnson's built his whole career on. Yes, yeah, yeah. He is a Churchill outtake. He is, yeah. <laughs> and he's about to give the speech, it's an election speech about how they need to vote Tories in because they need to get away from the restrictive dogma of socialism and only the Tories can free all the people and, and they will bring the whole mass of people with them into this glorious new free sure. post-war utopia. Yeah. And but in the outtake when he's just testing the microphone, this is this is what he did. What he says. If you can pick this up. We are the chosen few. All of you will be damned. There is no place in heaven for you. We can't have heaven cracked. 
I thought you were muting quotation I read this morning. Yeah, it says it all, doesn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, I've just got to take this phone call. So, <clears throat> apart from getting out of the house, what are you hoping to achieve here? Anything? Uh, That's very heavily filtered through my own dystopic view of everything at the moment. Yeah. You know, hermit. Well, I, I, I think it would be vain of me to hope to spark a, uh, a new lettering revolution through the medium of my stand-up performance. But all I, yeah, all I want to do is make some kind of performance that presents the material in an interesting way and is engaging. Um, one of the problems I'm having with this material is <clears throat> uh, it's hard to do it. Normally I take, for, like, for the show that I did for Resonance, which is called The Wrong Show, I would take a lot of um, spoken material <clears throat> and mutate it and uh, transform it, uh, stretch it and cut it up in a way and the, the object was ultimately kind of satirical, you know. You know, you know, you'd take something in the voice of the take the speech and you would, you know, the obvious example is you slow it down and make it sound like a monster. You speed, yeah. speed it up and you make it sound like a chipmunk, you know, and all yeah. Yeah. Um, which are very good for satirical purposes. You know, Chris Morris is very good at that kind of mm. thing. Uh, but with these, a lot of these subjects, people like Anir Bevin or William Beveridge. Oh, sorry, don't be Max again. Hey, Max. Okay. Uh, I'm not in the bookshop today, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm there on Mondays and Tuesdays. Oh, really? Okay. Okay. I am, actually, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, what's the, did you say six? Oh, great, okay. Oh, right, okay, perfect. Yeah, I'll see, I'll see you there. I'll see you there. Yeah, sure. All right, all right, Max, bye. Um, yeah, with these voices, a lot of whom are people I respect or whose views I sympathetic with, or, or, or anyway, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't seem right to mutate them and monsterize them in the same way. Uh, simultaneously, I don't want to do something that's just a kind of left-wing hagiography and oh, wasn't the past tradition of protest such a wonderful thing? I, I don't, you know. Uh, I want to, whatever my own ideological leanings might be, I don't want that to inform what I do, if you see what I mean. Mm. I don't, but it's very, it's, it's You're kind, trying to be neutral. Well, not neutral exactly, but I just don't want to do anything that's obviously, if it's, if it's just a kind of a nostalgic veneration of these, these wonderful progressive figures of the past, that's just not very interesting. So what, what, it, what do I do? Because what, what I'm used to doing is, is I suppose, a form of satire. Um, not that there's, there's not things to satirise about through these people. Um, for instance, William Beveridge, the architect of the post-war welfare state, 
a lot of people don't know, he was also a, a, a eugenicist. Oh my. And he originally wanted to make it a condition of getting the doll that you were banned from having any kids. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be allowed to have children if, if you claimed the doll. That, would be, that was going to be a condition. Jesus age. Yes, I know. Oh my God. I know. Yes, it was part of that. Is that for real? Is yes. that fake news? No, no, it's <laughs> it's totally real. I've read it on Wikipedia. So link link me be, up on that must one. Must be true. That's incredible. Yeah, but he's part of this Victorian. He's an old Victorian yeah. sort of benefactor figure, you know. And, uh, I think that everything is anything progressive. It's about it, it needs to be questioned again and again and right. again and again. It has to be constant, eternal revolution, doesn't it? Huh? Until, well, that's the Hegelian thing, isn't it? The dialectic, the constant refining of the dialectic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I'm only just starting to do it. I'm feeling feeling my way into it. But, um, yeah. yeah, but it's, 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 it's interesting. I'm kind of out of my comfort zone with it. I'm using, I'm, mm. I'm using material I wouldn't normally work with. Mm. Uh, and that's good, I guess. Um, would you like to go and have a look at the exhibition? Let's do that. Let's uh, let's pause the recording at this stage. Beep. Voices exhibition. Beautiful books. Mm-hmm. The ragged, trousered philanthropist. Classic text. Mm-hmm. Um, don't have my glasses on. I'm at a horrible stage with glasses at the moment, where it's a bit too. I have to move my head to see things. A review copy here with the publisher's compliments. Just love books. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> a great unwashed <clears throat> being. That's quite a funny book. It's a kind of it's a gentleman's study of the working classes. <laughs> Who are the working classes? What do they do? Is there a date on that? 1868? is sympathetic to the working classes and believes their conditions should be improved and believes they're basically you know, noble of heart. But it's also it's this kind of mixture of sort of Victorian compassion and, and complete snobbery. Yes. You know. Yes. Um, <clears throat> well, Victorian compassion was based on snobbery, wasn't it? It was based on the notion of charity. Yes, and the, mm. uh, the deserving and undeserving poor. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I've realised more and more recently how poisonous charity is. The very notion of charity is wrong. Oh, you totally it's so contingent. <clears throat> How to defend yourself, a legal guide for workers. Yeah. 1934, Martin Lawrence, threepence. <laughs> the committee of hundred, of one hundred. These are <clears throat> the, the artwork on these. A lot of these pamphlets is really, really nice. Uh, Beautiful. <clears throat> this is very striking. Yeah. Images, these are just, just two or three colours, you know. These come from a collection, a huge collection. I think he said it had like a million pamphlets. Is it this guy, Ron Heisler, who <clears throat> he brands himself as a, a dissident historian. And he's also, he's been a trade unionist, but he's been, he's known lots of, 
and trading workers and political activists and he's been and he's basically documented the whole the 20th century by collecting these little pamphlets which used to be of course are now literally a museum piece now all this stuff would be on the internet but at the time yes. this, these would be the kind of equivalent of Facebook posts and I mean looking, looking here I mean you know the, <coughs> the committee of a hundred this was the CND the beginning of CND and here you've got this um, poems on the brink with a picture of a cruise missile what date is that can you see on that that's 81 1981 and it's almost as if at the moment, because we're talking on the day of Donald Trump's inauguration, it's as if, not the great unwashed, but the great stupid are going, but what if it wasn't really a problem? You know, all the stuff we've warned about. What if we didn't need to be nice to other people? What if we didn't need to worry about nuclear bombs? What was it all right just to bomb people? Yeah. And I think we're entering into the what if era. Well, I think this, this has been this reaction against... It's almost like people have, they've been, it feels like they've been repressed by this kind of, this... Intelligence. This, it's it's intelligence. Hillary, a lot of people get, I hated Hillary Clinton because she seemed to be this, this kind of rather shrewish... Yes, no, the evil. Let's not even go there because mm -hmm. we know that. And I say let's not go there because the, we're bringing that into the discourse. And what I found is with everyone I know that's kind of, there's more and more of them it seems, that a Brexit... Right. and say, give Trump a chance, let's just see, you know, and it's absurd. And he's just scratched the surface and there's racism, sexism yeah, yeah. and hatred and it's ignorance. Like, it's, it's like the just, just below the surface. It's like the repressed id has been left out of, it, yes. out, out of its cage. So it's for, exploding. For all of, all of these years where people that were around were actually resentfully going, but why can't I call it? Oi, bitch, do my washing up. Yeah. And, you know, why can't, as, as a friend in Hereford said, you know, what's wrong with saying chinky? Right. Etc. From a position of white privilege. Yeah. Utter white privilege with no notion of anyone else. Yeah. You know, there's a Google plugin, uh, uh, not Google, a Chrome plugin you can get. It's really good. And it replaces any mention of the word political correctness, the, the, the term political correctness, with being respectful to others. So if you look at all those things, it's like, you know, being respectful to others gone mad. <laughs> because the term political correctness was, was basically brought up by the right wing as a way of explaining the, the fist there in the... 1971 London, revised 1979, Gay Liberation Front Manifesto. Be interesting, I was wondering, what did they change between 1971 yes, and 1979? Yes, exactly, I'd, I'd be really interested in that too, I noticed that. When I went to the 1960 exhibition, one of the things that brought a tear to my eye was just the photograph of the Olympic winners in the um, Black Castle. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, held in shame. Black blood fist held up in strength. And it's just like tears. As I say it, I almost want to cry. Because they went away. Their lives were blighted, totally blighted by that moment of protest. Balls, what's that? Uh, this is uh, he, this is a man who campaigned for against censorship, uh, wrote a book called The Banned Books of England, which I think there's a copy here as well. Uh, and this is um, provocatively called this, this pamphlet, Balls, mm. another book called Suppression. 
Can you hold that gently without rubbing your fingers over it so it doesn't make noise? Let it rest. Simon, I didn't think it was that kind of for the podcast. Exactly. Let it rest in the FM evening so you take your bed to Beautiful. Thank you. Very nice. <clears throat> what else do you have? Um, England as oligarchy. England and on oligarchy. As an? An oligarchy. Okay, sorry, it doesn't without glasses. I need to put my glasses back on. This is so beautiful. How long is the exhibition on for? Uh, I think until the end of March. And all these photographs I'm taking, as well as accompanying any broadcast I'm going to send to William Leonard Pickard, serving two life sentences without parole, uh, for allegedly being an LSD chemist. <clears throat> this is beautiful. This is quite interesting. <clears throat> Up here we have. Uh, Copy of Black Beauty. How come? Well, this is an autobiography of a horse, which I never thought was a particularly radical piece of literature. <laughs> but if you think about it, it's, it's all about his, you know, it's, it's an anthropomorphic picture of a, of a, of a creature in captivity. You know. Oh my god, I have no idea. So, in a way, it's, I would say it's quite seminal. Yep. A revolutionary work. A seminal in work in, the, in terms of animal rights. We have Old Beveridge, <coughs> an important figure in the construction of the welfare state, introduced national insurance. Mm. Um, <coughs> um, very much in the tradition of the Victorian progressive gentleman. Mm. Um, apparently, and a lot of his, he was a liberal of course, but uh, <coughs> during the coalition government, the liberals and Labour and the Tories uh, during the war all had to work together. Yes. Um, <clears throat> well, apparently a lot of the Labour, his Labour colleagues thought he was unbearab unbearably smug and self-righteous. Really? Yeah. It's funny how progressive ideas get shoved through by, not shoved through, but gradually shuffled forward. Because it's going to happen anyway, isn't it? Mm. We have to have progression um, through coalition and collaboration. Well, that's that's a view. That's a view. Yeah, I, that's probably wrong, completely wrong. I'm just kind of I'm thinking um, about taking pictures and listening to this. <coughs> so I'm not really thinking cogently as ever. This is a flyer from <coughs> 1969. Uh, Arse lickers. Um, Sedition. These are the these are the um, paragraph headings. Repress right to protest, unlawful, sedition, organise, arse lickers, UL racism, that's University of London racism, and Bax radicalism at UCR. What does it tell me about it? This is, this is uh, from an anti-apartheid demonstration that led to an attempted occupation of this building that we're standing in now, yeah. and the arrest of four students. Um, they've actually been 
quite a few occupations in this building. There was one a couple of years ago. Um, actually, one of the f funny things about one of the things about this exhibition is I noticed there's nothing that relates to more recent political protests. So it does give you the impression that all this stuff was belonged to another era. But in fact, there was an occupation a couple of years ago. And, and <clears throat> uh, there's been quite a lot of activity uh, relating to rights for... Um, ancillary uh, staff? Ancillary that staff, yeah. yeah. The, the, I think the, the, there was a de demonstration or uh, some kind of action relating to the, the cleaning staff about wages and conditions, mm. um, which is something I need to find out about. Yeah, once again, the past, how the past changes things. The rainbow. Okay, so it gets dark for me, that's it. Add yours at rainbow into the park. Did you ever go to the rainbow theatre? I, I don't know if I ever went there. I remember, because my grandmother lived there, so I remember I used to go past it a lot. Yeah. It's now some like fundamentalist Christian church. That's right, yeah. <clears throat> Is that refuse to die to Yankee orders? Can you read all that? What's, what's that it says, about? <clears throat> the United States must be prepared to equip the soldiers of other nations and let them send their boys onto the Holocaust so that we don't have to send our boys. It's kind of the, sort of the opposite of Trump's argument at the moment, isn't it? I'm confused. Uh, this is a Communist Party leaflet, um, basically, I guess, against. Um, what exactly? What is their argument? Yeah, that's no, confusing. Yeah. Mm. Refuse the die to Yankee orders. Yes, we agree to that. And this is from 1949, so I get all of the. The United States must be prepared to equip the soldiers of other nations and let well, them send their boys into the Holocaust so we don't have to send our boys. So the Communist Party of Great Britain, 19... What date is it on there? I'm just going to take my glasses off, so... On that leaflet in the middle there. <clears throat> on my head. Ah, there you go. No date on it. Well, the quote's from 1939. Oh, I see, right, okay. Explain to me. They're saying the United States should equip soldiers of other nations so that Americans don't have to send their boys into the Holocaust. Which Holocaust was that? Which of the many that they decided to start <clears throat> take part? Well, this is actually, you know, Trump's gone even further than that by saying that uh, other countries should actually pay for a... Uh, American so-called protection, which just sounds like uh, protection. Protectionism. Exactly, uh, what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's big for shadows here. The way they've lit it, right. <clears throat> it's almost impossible to. Here we have a, an ancient book, a memorial to the uh, to the Paris Commune. 
the beautiful <coughs> illustration of who do you think that is? It's the Republic, the La Republic. That's really good because the um, ticket is in French as well. Right. <laughs> Damn. Damn my British mono <clears throat> lingualism. And we, and we have some lovely sashes and badges and a little uh, buttonhole made from dried flowers uh, relating to the Women's Social and Political Union, who were the, the suffragettes organisation that campaigned for votes for women. This is the anti-Iraq demonstration. Anti-Iraq war demonstration, which brought tears to my eyes. I, I remember walking down near here, near Senate House, and just every single street was full of waves of people heading, looking for somewhere else to protest and gathering. We were gathered all in Hyde Park. Right. And it was beautiful to see so many people, yet already then it was apparent that nothing would happen and nothing would change. Right. <clears throat> Do you think that, in a sense, actually kills the, the, the demonstration as a viable... To an extent, yeah. ...form it's of action in English culture? Not only that, but the total criminalisation now. It's almost impossible. Now, now if you demonstrate, I believe it's true, facial recognition, filming, etc, 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 they can come and get you met, you know, quite soon after. But you look back in demonstrations of the 1960s and things like that, people were wearing face masks then. It was, it was the notion that dissent being criminalised right. changed. Well, at this point it might be appropriate to mention that this building itself was actually the model for the Ministry of Truth, George Orwell's Ministry of Truth in, in 1984. Um, and his wife actually worked here in the... Uh, during the war, they took o took over this this building as a centre for propaganda and information relating to the war. And his wife worked in the anti anti censorship department. Anti censorship. I mean, this sorry, the, <laughs> the censorship <laughs> department. The anti censorship yeah. yeah. department was somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. What's this The petition signed by women doctors from the UK and Europe to admit women to the medical examinations and degree at the University of London. When was that? There's no date on it. It's not very well documented, the actual things here. Right. Because it's not telling us the date, or when, or why, or what. There's no context, except it is a very beautiful You'd petition. You'd have to guess. It'll be like, I don't know, mid-1800s, maybe? That's um, only a guess, though. Or, or maybe... Next year. <laughs> yeah, this is, this, we're not only looking at the past here with this notion of, um, what was that term? Retro. Retro paralysis. Retro paralysis. We're not only looking at the past here, we're also looking at the future. In some respects, although it may be a future without this descent. Well, <clears throat> it's funny looking, looking back at this. Uh, Book of Poems by Pat Arrowsmith, On the Brink. You know, it takes me back to my teenage years when Armageddon really seemed utterly possible and plausible. Mm. I think most kids in my generation would have had nightmares involving 
huge mushroom clouds and nuclear explosions. It, this was the main universal cosmic horror of, of, of our childhoods. And it just makes me think, and now here we are with Trump with his finger on the button with uh, possibilities for reducing climate change rapidly going down the toilet. Here we are in a whole other Armageddon situation. But it also seems to be true that every generation has its own Armageddon and it, always, it is always imminent. In the 17th century, <clears throat> you know, the levellers and the Puritans were convinced that Christ's kingdom was, was imminent. He was just about to come down and judge the quick, quick and the dead and, and it, was, uh, it was game over. And they believed that no less fervently. It was no less of a reality for them than yes. our current fears are now. I wonder. It's just interesting the way. Well, I don't want to be relative. No, no, about no, no, it. no. It's, it's an interesting. It's an interesting point. Well, I heard, by the way, that Jesus did come back then. Oh, did he? And realised he didn't exist. <laughs> right. But it utterly stymied his attempt at doing anything. It's right. like oh. that must have been a bit of a blow. Yeah. yeah. Jesus was stymied. <laughs> so, tell me about uh, who we're speaking with. What's your name? My name is Jordan. Hello, Jordan. And I'm the research librarian for history here at Senate House Library. Oh my gosh, that sounds rather fantastic anyway. <laughs> what does that involve? It involves um, minding and managing the modern collections of history here in the library. Okay. Um, so I, I select the books, I buy them. <laughs> um, I do lots of inductions for students and help students, um, and I dabble in the library's engagement program. What does that mean? Which means the exhibitions and events. Okay. So that is why I've been involved with the Radical Voices season. So tell me about what, what I've been looking at today. How did that come about? Sure. Um, a do, you want to, do you want to give it more today rather than to sure. me in the room? Sorry. Just, <laughs> just, um, just generally. Sure. A few years ago, um, my, my office mate, who's now head of modern collections here, Richard Espley, kept talking about we needed a different narrative for Senate House Library, not just Shakespeare, not just um, sort of um, more traditional. Uh, and he, he pointed out some collections that fit that. Um, around the same time, I was reading David Rosenberg's book, Rebel Footprints, um, and it was walks around uh, radical London. And as I saw the names that were in his book, I realized, oh, we have that collection, John Burns, we have that, C.L.R. James, we have that. Mm. So I came back to work and said, oh, I think there's something here. We do have that narrative. Um, so we, we sat down and, and made a list of the collections that fit this. Richard came up with the name Radical Voices, and we originally thought maybe there's a book here and uh, of multiple chapters about each collection. So we wrote up a proposal and the book didn't happen, but something, something else grew out of it. Which that is something is now the exhibition uh -huh. and series of events. Um, so it's our, way, it's our way of pointing out that, um, that Senate House Library isn't just Shakespeare, although it is, which is fantastic. And it's something, something um, something a little a little different. It's people who were thinking 
thinking outside. Uh, I don't want to say outside of the box. People no, who are thinking. Yeah, <laughs> people who are thinking for looking for different solutions. Mm, okay, well, radicalism and progressive thought and. Exactly. And, and there seems, I mean, I noticed in the display canvas we were just looking, you've got the poster for the anti-Iraq war um, movement, as it was then, which isn't, it, that's in very recent history. Are, are you still sort of hoovering in radical literature as it exists and comes in these days? Yes. And how um, is that now? Because the age of the pamphlet must be gone. The age of the pamphlet is... Um, and while while Senate House Library isn't necessarily looking um, involved actively in archiving social media and blogs, for example, um, we do take part in meetings with other repositories and academics who are thinking about how to archive that. Um, so that's right. That, that's right. When you think that it's the blog, the extension of the zine, so the extension of the pamphlet. Um, We've tried to represent that in the exhibition. Yeah. Um, but well, the act of... Yeah, I did tell you that electronic display, as actually didn't point out, that talks about blogging as a continuation of that. It must, it, it must be quite unnerving, almost, the, the sort of the, the, the change from something that was quite easy to curate and corral with the written word and the poster to now, where it's such a disparate media, it's just everywhere... Do you find that? How, how, how well, you I'm not that? an archivist, so so yeah. that I I can only speak um, uh, as someone who advises researchers on using those. Mm. It would be interesting. Definitely, I recommend talking to an archivist because mm. um, I know these things are on their minds, especially records managers. Cool. Um, as as institutions turn out, the vast amounts of their records are not digital, and how they're dealing with that, um, and that that is even more straightforward than social media. Yeah. Um, which, which is, so I think it. I think talking to talking to someone who's working on it directly, instead of I'll say, oh yeah, it's really difficult. It's easy for me to say. But yes, no, you're absolutely right. That that the move to digital is is a factor. Um, however, I mean, posters and pamphlets are still. They're not going away. No, of course not. Um, so fortunately, and yeah. and you know the the London Student, the long-running newspaper, the Senate House Library has the complete run, for example, um, and every protest that's here, the archivists, the archivist keeps an eye out and picks things up. So it is it mm. is still collecting. Right. So you got material related to the more kind of recent publication. I'd, I'd like to, I'd love to see that stuff too. Yeah, it's worth talking to Richard Temple. Richard Temple. Yes, oh. he's he's the archivist. Right. That's yes. right. Okay. Um, Does he live down? Exactly. Okay, he's, your, he's your nearest neighbour. Okay. I'm glad he's <laughs> Just at the end of Goldsmiths. Right. That's this place right. It's so labyrinthine and so cool. <laughs> it's taken me a long time to do. Never end. Ever which end of exploring these buildings and that. Great. Well, thanks for speaking to us. Lovely exhibition. We're, okay. we're, we're climbing through it with Orlando, so what fun. I, I just wanted to ask just one question. In terms of putting the exhibition together, I mean, look, obviously it's limited space. I'm sure you know, we've probably got enough to fill a much larger exhibition. Really. Yeah, so it's been really difficult choosing what's included and what not to include. And things, things that um, have trouble letting go. <laughs> 
I have a group from, of students coming from Goldsmiths, University of London, next week, and I'm going to trot out some of the things that didn't make the final cut. Uh, okay. um, nationalizing beer. I really that's wanted to. I couldn't idea. find a way to get it in there, but I really wanted to. Oh, that's such a great idea. Is um, that something that happened? Or? <laughs> no, it was... Um, I think we know that. It was... Uh, it's been tried a couple times. Um, I found a, an article in, um, that had a great image of a pub, a nationalized pub, and, um, and just the whole goal of nationalizing pubs and beer. Um, wow. that, that was one of the last items to So will this be one ice. type of lager and one type of gas? <laughs> That's the unique jack on it. Quite a cotswold. Really? No, I mean, it would be very regional, wouldn't it? Especially in theme park Britain. Pretty fantastic. Now. Yeah, I love the idea. Um, other things that we're hoping to bring out um, in, in other ways, uh, there are some, there's some records, vinyl, that didn't make it, that, um, that uh, may not, I'm not sure about in some cases about how good the music is, but the, the covers are fantastic. <laughs> um, so, so that we are looking, and there were things that didn't make the cut, that we, you know, they'll be in blog posts, they'll be in visits. Um, Did you say you were going to show there's a group of Goldsmith students you can... I'd, I'd love yeah, to, that's next Friday. Could I sit in on that? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's in the afternoon. You'll find Layla and me in the exhibition. Okay. So. Were there any uh, like sort of more political pressures to include certain things or not to include certain things? Was that... Not that I felt. Right. Um, it was making the decision because, you know, Ron Heisler, um, who's uh, Mr. Heisler's the, the largest collector um, who gives to the library. Um, um, should I keep talking or shall I be? Yeah, no, yeah. it's okay. Um, it's um, because Ron does occasionally pick up things that represent the other side of the argument. So he's got some items from the KKK. He's got some. So it's making the decision. Do we present a whole picture, um, radicalism on both ends of the spectrum? Yeah, right. um, but we didn't have enough to really give it enough context right. to represent. Um, that's right, the, the far right. Um, so so it, that, that was a decision that was driven by the collections. But there was a thought, do we, you know, how do we handle that? Um, and if we'd had the collections, that almost feel it feels honest, right. but very difficult to write those captions. Very difficult to yeah. to engage with people to really to really go into that. It's almost like you're saying, "Well, this is legitimate too," and you can't you can't not say that. But you don't you want to say it the same time. And there's soon as you're giving that kind of material. So I mean, and, and our collections didn't support it. So, so again, you know, there was, there wasn't having to deal with pressure outside of, right. outside of um, the the exhibition organizers. Us thinking, do we need to include it? Well, we don't. We can't really, because it wouldn't be a. Great. Okay. That's that's enough. It's so nice to meet you. No, thank you for, for visiting and seeing the exhibition. Yeah, we're going to have a look at some other bits and pieces.
So we are in a tiny little lift. A very tiny lift. In St. House Library and we are going up to the stacks. Uh, which floor do you want? 17. 17th floor? Yeah, 17 there. Okay, here we go. Doors closing. And it's that contrarian, by the way. It's whenever about the size. I, whenever I hear these announcements, anyway, it says doors closing. In my head it goes, no they're not. Okay, so we're going up to the stacks for the Institute of Historical Research. Which is where, all, this is where all the microfiche thesis. Oof. This lift is about the size of a large coffin. Yeah, one, one big fat person's coffin with room for ooze. Who knew this went up so high? I mean, the building is 17 floors. I've never actually, I've never been this high. 17th floor. I know, that's the one, that's the... Door opening. Do you want to close the lift? As you, uh, oh, as you walk past the shelves, you'll see, as you approach them, they magically light up. Yeah. That was problematic at the BBC when they first put them in because people would be sitting at their desk and the lights would go off. Church history. Medieval European coinage. The historical dictionary of tennis. So this is where they keep all the old ancient texts that can't live on the shelves because they're too rare or too special or too valuable or too delicate. We have a huge collection of leather-bound volumes that just says State Papers. Ugh. State Papers? Yeah, oh yeah. God, that's ridiculous. Oh, it's all in French. Hold it there, just sleep. That's it, hold it there. Can I have the pages flipped a bit? No, they were nice, they were open a bit. That's it there. Just there, that's it. That's a delicious book. I mean, that, that's like mm. letters collected. What have we got shall on I that page? Shall I read a bit? Where? What was it? Sir, sir, this is from the Foreign Office from 1880. I have received by telegraph from Her Majesty's Ambassador at Constantinople and have communicated to you the substance of the last note from the Porte upon the subject of the Montenegrin frontier question. Her Majesty's government presumed that this communication from the Porte would be held by the powers to be unacceptable as a basis either for an arrangement or for negotiation. In their opinion, the recent conduct of the Porte has entirely changed the situation as, together with the delay which has taken place, added to the difficulty of local action. They would therefore propose that the Allied fleets should proceed from the Adriatic to Simana, that that port should be held as a material guarantee. 
The operation would not be difficult even for a naval force less powerful than the combined squadrons and it would be carried out without prejudice to mercantile interests. Her Majesty's Government make this proposal subject to the concurrence of the other powers and under the conditions specified in the self-denying protocol. Do they consider that, that it will look that, forward... That was the anti-masturbation clause, wasn't was it? it? Is that what that's about? But, okay. yeah. They consider that it will afford the means of bringing effectual pressure to bear upon the Porte with the least amount of risk of leading to further complications. I have to request that you will make a communication in the sense of this dispatch to the government to which you are accredited. Signed. Glanville. Uh -huh. Right, yes. Thomas Paine. It's Thomas Paine. Where is he when we need him? All these endless state papers. So this is... Catulaire de l'Université Montpellier. Historical Encyclopedia of World Slavery. Fifteen to fifteen ninety nine. This is twelve hundred. Twelve hundred fifteen fifty four. What on earth? Let me see. Okay. Random reading. I'm not going to even do it. Is that even Latin? That's not Latin, is it? Could this be the? Could, it, could this be it the, like, the parliamentary records of Iceland? Because the the Icelandic Parliament is like goes back to. Oh, it's handy. Is it? I can say, yeah. yeah. Iceland Parliament is ancient, isn't it? It goes, well, let's see how far it goes back. This is Icelandic. This is Icelandic? Yeah. Okay. Five, six, seven, eight. Oh, look, there's volumes. One, two, three, four. Here. Yeah. We'll see this. Oh, my God. Okay. okay. This is You have to look through the bottom one. Okay. Only the bottom one works. Ready? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> oh. It's, it's the metropolis. Yeah. That's a view not many people see. No. What's that round thing there? That's the British thing there, isn't it? Yeah, but... Oh my it's goodness. the whole river. Oh my god, that's really... Have you got a clearer window there? Just from the bit. They're all the same. You can't open the window anymore. Yeah, it's not photographed, but really. No, no, it's not, but that's kind of nice. There's some nine hours to the bridge. I've 
rear window. Yeah, it's just like this is the wall of commerce. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> Speculum number 47. <laughs> Should we go to special collections? I'm a bit scared. <laughs> Okay, no. Get the lift to 19. Oh my god, look at this thing. quick, what time is it? Because they, clo they close it. Seriously, they're getting close soon. Are we going to. Hey? You reckon it's possible? 18? One more? Doors closing. What time is it? Does anybody know? It's been really quick. Eighteenth floor. It felt like safe here if it went off. This thing that went around. Doors opening. Leave me low down in the basement. It seemed to have a triffids. The cage is on the 19th floor. <clears throat> it's a special collection, this is where the really old stuff is. That's just machinery. Books in a cage. Fourth floor. No pictures. Door opening. wrong going up to the 19th floor. Did it? Felt like we were going to disturb some kind of primeval spirit. The spirit of some the kind of angry bibliographic demon would be awoken. Mm. It's the Tower of Babel. Tower of Babel, Simon. That was lovely, thank you. So that was, uh, yeah, groovy, groovy. That was we a little bit of urban exploring there. Nineteenth floor, Senate House. Yeah. It's felt, like, it felt a bit longer. Like, all the books are in cages. When something's in a cage, it feel like it's going to attack you. Really? Or you, or you feel that it's. I think the implication's the other way around. You're going to attack it. I know. I, I, uh, obviously, yeah, you, you're, talking, you're, you're discussing the feeling and I'm discussing the actuality. We're at cross purposes there. Okay.
You've been listening to Ice Topica here on Resonance 104.4 FM. My name is Simon Tishko, and today's special guest was Orlando Harrison. Uh, Orlando has been the artist in residence at Senate House, where he is at the moment as part of their Radical Voices uh, library exhibition. Thoroughly recommend you go along and see it. Some really beautiful pieces um, that we have mumbled about and stumbled around during the broadcast that you may have just been listening to. If you want further details about today's episode of Ice Topic or if you've been particularly touched by any of the radical literature issues we have raised and discussed, then you can do so on my website being www.theculture.net. Um, you can contact us through Twitter, hashtag Isotopica, or phone the Resonance FM office helpline. Details of Isotopica are available in all sorts of places online. Just look and follow the links. That would be a lovely thing for you to do. Please keep the feedback coming in to the Isotopica offices and um, join us next week for a little bit more isotopica in the meanwhile we certainly suggest you stay locked firmly to resonance 104.4 fm and or our sister station resonance extra which is actually becoming a mainstay of our listening devices at home once again this is me simon tishko thanking you ever so much for simply existing because in this day and age if we do not stick together then what will happen to the world that's the question i find myself asking here on this rather strange and foggy dystopic tuesday here in london town lots of love thanks for listening keep tuned carol finer coming up next if you're listening live on tuesday bye for now